and welcome to this roundtable about the book, Corporate Explorer Fieldbook. I'm Ram Gaioso, your host. And in this roundtable, I'm also joined by the author, Dr. Eugene Ivanov. Folks, the discussion is about the Corporate Explorer Fieldbook, How to Build New Ventures in Established Companies. This book is co-edited by Andrew Beans and Dr. Eugene Ivanov. It is a collection of the tools, methodologies, and techniques one needs to build successful, market-ready ventures from within existing organizations. Now, they have a team of accomplished actors that are ready to explain how to develop a practical strategy, gather market insights, develop a jobs-to-be-done market canvas, collect customer research, and reduce organization risk. Well, without further ado, let's get started. Dr. Ivanov, thank you so much for being here. So wonderful to see you. Thank you very much, Rome. Thank you for inviting me. And it's my pleasure to talk to, to the participants of your conference. I, I wish you the best conference you ever had. <laughs> Thank you so much. So let's talk about your first book. It was about crowdsourcing, right? And this book is about innovation management. Yeah. Did writing the first book help you edit the second? Absolutely. Uh, because this book is actually a crowdsourced project. We have 25 authors. And uh, the experience of collecting information, uh, contribution from different people and bring them together kind of, you know, to create one whole definitely helped me a lot. Uh, and also, uh, I, I'd like to make it very clear up front. Uh, my co-editor, Andy Beans, kind of, you know, a colleague and a good friend of mine, he's been a, a driving intellectual force of this project. He's kind of, you know, content person. He, he is very accomplished uh, advisor to, to companies. But, you know, but big, but the book of this scale, it's also a project and it must be managed because 25 people, very busy, highly accomplished, um, sometimes forgetting things, people, you have to manage that. And this was, and I, I'm gladly uh, took this part of, of the project on me and Andy and I turned out to be absolutely fabulous team. Perfect team. Well, I so, couldn't yeah. find out a better and person and to run my process information. <laughs> so, um, so why did you write this book and what is the key message there? Well, uh, still even even now and you you work with uh, with startups regularly and you can hear this uh, quite popular opinion that large companies cannot innovate too bureaucratic too large too lazy too dominating too arrogant only startups can 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 innovate um we can discuss about efficiency of of innovating as startups it's, it's serious conversation but the the opinion that that large company can innovate is not true. Actually, there is a growing list of large uh, behemoths, multinational corporations who can innovate, innovate very well, very efficiently, creating new uh, uh, sources of growth. NVIDIA comes to mind immediately. It's one of the kind of shining... Uh, examples of that amazon apple you name it and they're all very large companies so large companies can innovate now the question is why they don't and and the question is that uh they don't know how so so over the years there was a uh, 
um, point of view in academic circles at Harvard Business School, at Stanford Business School, uh, that that actually created a concept of how large companies can innovate. Key to this point is, is the concept of ambidextrous organization. I won't go too deep. So, so there is a, a moment was has been created that people believe, yes, we, we can. We, we, we know we can do that, but they don't know how. And so in our conversation, any conversation, he also meets a lot of people in my conversation, people ask, okay, we are already converted, but we don't know where to start and, and how to proceed. So gradually kind of, you know, the idea of creating this how-to book has emerged. And it's, it's for a reason we call the field book. Uh, it's, a, it's a collection specific tools that people can 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 take and, and and run their own companies being startup or large companies i i insist it's it, it doesn't really matter yeah so uh, let's kind of uh, focus a little bit on on that so usually so the way you guys thought about the book you're targeting the larger organization and you just yeah. said well being a smaller company it, it doesn't matter so they can all benefit but could you go over that specific uh, specific topic? So how can the startups and the small companies benefit yeah. from understanding the framework you introduce in the book? Yeah. Well, again, you know, I, I might be um, a little bit simplified, but in, in my view, the reason, kind of conceptually, if you want intellectually, the reason between startup and large company is size, size and amount of money. Large company, by definition, have resources, so they can run multiple projects. Where startup, as usual, cannot afford more than one serious project, and that's pretty much uh, the the only serious difference. However, the way the way you run this one project, be it the only project for startup, or be it one of ten or twelve for a large company, is pretty much the same, and when we describe our technology, our methods, our protocols for different stages of innovation process, they apply for this one project or one part of a single project. And uh, who uses technology, methodology, startups or large companies, essentially doesn't matter. Of course, there is always modification. There is always, there is no, every company is unique. No question about that. Do we claim that all of these methods will work the same way uh, everywhere all the time? No. However, however, we provide people with a set of questions they would ask themselves when they plan their work. And this set of questions, I truly believe, is the same regardless whether you work for a you know, five-people startup or 500-people uh, multinational. Okay, so let's kind of uh, go back to the issue of the large company. Of course, we also have large companies in the audience of this conference as well. And uh, you actually focus on how to build new ventures in established companies, right? So what is really the main reason or reasons why those established companies do not innovate as much? Is it because of their dominant market position? Uh, so they don't feel the need to innovate or they are risk averse or a combination thereof? So what is it that uh, the large companies, what kind of bias they have that they have to focus on 
so that yeah. they can improve and become more innovative? Well, I, I think that we we can perhaps safely exclude that large companies don't feel that they cannot uh, not innovate. Uh, of course, no one would, would admit, well, our company doesn't need to innovate. Everyone knows, well, we, we all must innovate. Yes, maybe some companies believe that they are so successful, so they so immune of competition, of disruption, that they could actually give it, you know, a slack. However, pretty much now every company, every large and successful company knows that they must innovate, otherwise they have no tomorrow. Now, the prob there are two problems. First, uh, companies as people become victims of their own success. <laughs> and it sounds almost kind of you know, paradoxical, but yes, companies become captives of their own prior successes. And this slows down their kind of, you know, their attempt to innovate, to forget about prior successes and, and try something new. And perhaps cannibalize, you know, product lines that, that brought you money and revenue, you know, up to now. That's one thing. The second, uh, innovating, um, it's a kind of, you know, special corporate function because what is modern corporation? It's an organization that is focused on impeccable execution. Take a look at uh, Six Sigma movement. The level of mistakes, you know, 10 and minus 6 degree, that's, that's execution, execution, execution. Predictability. Uh, people in large companies hate uncertainty. And innovation is about unpredictability, about uncertainty, about high level of failures. Not 10 and minus 6, it's about 50, 60, 90%. And this, this creates this kind of, you know, climate where uh, it's difficult, difficult to change yourself, it's difficult to change your DNA and start being unpredictable and uh, error-proof. And that is the second equally important question why large company can't innovate. And, um, and kind of, you know, maybe, maybe a little bit another aspect is that even, even when companies start innovating, uh, they still don't know, and this is actually even in the academic literature, still kind of debatable, debatable topic. What should be the level of closeness or remoteness between the new nature and the mothership? There is actually a very popular concept, the island uh, with a bridge. So you should put uh, your new innovation new venture on an island, but but to build a bridge to the mainland. If you put them without bridge, they will be forgotten. If you leave them on the mainland, they will hug them, they will uh, uh, choke them in hugs. There is kind of this slang in, in innovation uh, circles that uh, this company will, will become part of, of uh, routine operations, they will get metrics like ROI, which is completely inapplicable to, to innovation project. That's what makes innovation in large companies difficult. So, and I, I want to come back to this term uh, ambidextrous organization. That is a concept that shows you 
how you peacefully and productively coexist a core business that still produces money and this new venture so that they love each other and, and help each other to, 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 to be successful. Okay, so let's focus a little bit on the role of leadership. So the relationship yeah. between uh, leadership and innovation. So it requires a lot of investment and a lot of commitment for sure. So what is the role of leadership here? Is innovation a tops down or a bottoms up exercise? Well, Rome, this is a softball question. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, and yes. Uh, we could, could, could debate about you know, percentage. I personally believe that 100% of, of successful innovation programs depend on, on the lead of the organization. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying the lead organization, CEO, and, and close kind of, you know, close circle of, of C-level executives. Uh, I, it, there are, there are still point of view. You can hear it some to time. In our company, innovation is everyone's job. You, you heard that, apparently. Well, uh, we all know that uh, when it's everyone's job, it's no one's job. And that's unfortunately what happened. And that's what happens. And then where this kind of motto flourishes is when leadership took hands off the innovation process. Uh, with, with strong leadership, innovation becomes it, bear with me, a top-down process. Nothing can happen in the company when there is not, if there is no strong leadership and strong message coming from the very top of the organization. Now, when this system is established, then yes, that innovation becomes kind of bottom-up process when people on the ground kind of you know create uh, solutions, build ideas, and everything starting going up to the leadership, either for uh, resources, money, approval, whatever. But again, for me, for me, uh, the first was the leadership. Yeah, so again, and let's go back to the difference between a startup and an established company. So in the startup situation, probably the innovator is the one who started uh, the business yeah. anyway. So it has no problem getting people excited uh, over innovation. But in the case of an established company, right? So how is it that the leadership or the people who are driving the innovation process can get the rest of the organization excited? over the innovation process? Because again, let's face it, they're busy, they have their own projects, they're doing their own jobs. Yeah. Uh, so how, how what, what's some kind of the tips and tricks you, you suggest for the large organizations? How can they get people excited over innovation? Um, you, you know, I, I think that uh, the problem to find people who are excited about innovation, to find people who would love to do innovation, serious innovation program in large companies is not a problem. There is uh, a lot of people who, who are entrepreneurs, who are startup people by their nature, by their psyche, who for whatever reason, you, you, you can understand this reason, who still work for large companies. They would love to innovate. The problem is that they often cannot because there is no condition to, to uh, 
to establish serious innovation. And I'm not talking about incremental innovation. Pretty much every organization has this kind of, you know, let's improve 10% here, 10% here. But as uh, someone, I don't know, is Zuckerberg or, or, or Bezos say, well, we are not Zuckerberg. In, we are not interested in 10% improvement. We are interested in 10-fold improvement. And that cannot happen, again, coming back, without leadership. So leadership should create an atmosphere where these people can flourish and understand that they can do what, what they want. Now, uh, again, I'm not a um, not subscriber of the theory that everyone has to innovate. Mm-hmm. Innovation is like every not everyone can, you know, quality control. It's, you know, you have to be. You have to have some kind of you know psychological profile for that. So the best way uh, to to start at a large company is to find people who want to do that and let them do that, and forget about the rest for a while. When when they come up with first successes and you reward, recognize, and publicize these successes, then it becomes kind of you know more more ground level operation. More people would come. However, however, at every point of the journey, it's, it's the responsibility of a leadership to provide a strategic vision of what you want to achieve. And not only what you want to do, why you want to do that. Now people pay a lot of attention to this emotional component of, of any innovation activity, sustainability, equality, uh, better life for, for other people. It's very important. And it's only leadership that can provide this, this, this vision. And, and, and we describe tools in the book, in the first part of this book, to do exactly that. Yeah, I actually, my next question was about that. So I want to pick on one of them. You mentioned the jobs to be done campus. Yeah. So what is that and how does it work? Uh, <laughs> well, uh, Jobs to be done is a, a tool to define your target market. Wh- why is it important? Because actually, um, many, many start, unfortunately, very many startups fail and fail very early in their uh, innovation journey because they didn't properly define their target market. Now, I wouldn't blame them, they're not lazy. They're not kind of, you know, uneducated. The problem is that, that in the literature, there is actually serious positive of description of how you define a target market. Take this very popular concept of uh, lean startup. Very popular. Every, every, every startup uh, uses it. They describe their process on the assumption that you already defined your target market. And if you didn't, well, you might be in trouble. So, so jobs to be done is a one, one, uh, and I emphasize it, one of the possible approaches to defining your target market. And this approach was uh, designed by the late uh, Clayton Christensen, professor of Harvard Business School. And, uh, and his major idea is that people use products not for the sake of these products, but to do a job that's important for these people. So um, describing it, 
okay, let me put it this way. Um, so, so traditional definition of markets is kind of by demography. So, for example, you have a um, something like you know, like a brush, and you say this brush would work for you know males older than fifty who have some some problem with with him. Okay, then you would kind of go yeah, go further. Well, these people should live in some kind of North Hemisphere. And then, no, 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 no. Eventually, you come up with a, what they call it, you know, demographic profile of your souls. Experience shows that almost always you're very wrong. Jobs to be done, arrive at this market, uh, target market definition from other angle, from the outcome for the customers. Let's say, I pick up something from my table. Okay, we have this kind of inner thing. What can you use it? Who would need this thing? You first miss, maybe child, maybe child who imagines that it's it's his or her new pet. Or maybe it's a, uh, it's a painter who using it as a model for something like that. So you create your target market from, 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 from the bottom, from people who can use this uh, object to solve their problems. And when you know what problems they want to sell, uh, the, the problems they want to solve, you can create a product that you would, that would help them solve it. Then, 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 they more likely than not will come to you and, and buy your product. Wonderful. As opposed to, they come somebody else's project why, why won't you why won't you uh, buy our wonderful brush hey you can use it for something right Rob? good well not in my case as you can see but it's well, okay that's why i pick up you and myself we are kind of we are in the same kind of you know, target market if you want okay so, so um, is, of course it's very very simplified uh um description but uh this this is chapter four in our book. It's brilliantly written by by Tony Ulrich, with very great kind of you know diagrams. You you really get it when you when you look at these pictures. So it's very powerful technique. So you know, Doctor Ivanov, can you tell us the key takeaways from your book? What should people take from your book? Um. Well, first, uh, well, my, my takeaway for, for large companies would be short, kind of, you know, citing classic. Yes, you can. You definitely can innovate. Uh, you definitely can and must use your, uh, your gut feeling, your trust, your assumption. You definitely want to be emotionally involved in engaged with your innovation. What you must not do is to leave your innovation effort only that. Innovation is a complex discipline approach that has methods and technology to, to test your assumptions, to verify your gut feelings, and to realize your emotional response in a very disciplined, structured way. And... Um, if if will you ask me about startups because my my specific 
message that would be both valuable for large companies start up is do not invest before you learn. Mm-hmm. And this is especially, especially well, startups sometimes don't invest because they have no money. That may be a good thing. Well, large companies have money. So there is a trend kind of, you know, to invest, to build, and to manufacture, and then see what happens. Sometimes bad things happen. Kind of one of the reasons example discussed in the literature was actually consumer division of Goldman Sachs. They had beautiful technology. They had tons of gut feelings, including the CEO. Uh, they created consumer division. Consumer was not excited. And uh, company lost like $3 billion. That's what happens when you invest before learning. So this must not happen. Learning so first, I, investment second. Looks like that is the, the best advice you can give. You know, learn first, invest. Uh, invest second yeah so for- I, I i wish i wish startups all the money they can collect i'm i'm very pro startup but still guys uh learn before you spend this money wonderful and so folks you know dr ivanov did a wonderful job at putting together a series of steps so you know questionnaires practical tools yeah. uh, he goes over methodologies specific tools that will help you become more successful in your journey you do not have to go it alone dr ivanov is right there to hold your hand and his, his book is a must if you are thinking about you know how we're going to move forward you know if you're a large corporation you know how we're going to manage that innovation process if you're a startup and you're looking for ways to you know create processes around your innovation efforts this is a must this is a wonderful book and a wonderful resource uh, for you uh, to have. Dr. Ivanov, thank you so much for your taking the time to be here with me and the folks at the conference. Thank you very much again for having me. Thank you very much for listening to me. And again, I wish you the most wonderful and productive um, conference. Wonderful. And thank you so much again, folks. Um, Dr. Eugene Ivanov's Corporate Explorer Field Book, How to Build New Ventures in Established companies. Thank you so much for your being in this session with Dr. Ivanov and with me, and I hope to see you in the next session. See you next time. Thank you.